Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. There was a ton of political news this week, but the most important story had to be the impeachment trial of Donald Trump and how it is now over. The Senate voted to acquit the president on both articles of impeachment, and the votes were along party lines with only one Republican switching sides. Senator Mitt Romney voted guilty on abusive power charges only. After many senators voiced their concerns and made clear that they did not condone the actions of the president, they ultimately decided that President Trump did nothing wrong and that the voters should decide if they want to vote him out of office. For more on this, we spoke to Daniel Lippman. He's the White House reporter at Politico. Well, they were largely uh, expected. It wasn't a ton of drama since President Trump has really had a kind of a lock on his GOP base. And that translates to senators in Washington where even if you're retiring people like Lamar Alexander, you don't want to get crosswise with the president because if he is reelected this November, that hurts your future earning power. It makes it much harder for you to kind of be accepted as a member of the club in Washington. And so there's a lot of social pressure on these senators to not flip. And so Mitt Romney was the only Republican who flipped. Uh, and you know, that kind of speaks to his role in the party uh, in that he's kind of an iconoclast and he sticks to his principles as he sees them. But that also means that he's getting some blowback from the RNC and from others who are unhappy that he supported Democrats here. Right. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Mitt Romney was the Republican nominee for president. He was the leader of the party and he's always been at odds with the president. But he said that there was no question that the president asked a foreign power to investigate his political foe. And for that reason, that's why he voted guilty on the first article, the abuse of power. He, he voted not guilty on the obstruction of Congress. You know, this whole thing played out over about five months from very beginning to end. But really, this was the quickest impeachment ever to go through the whole process. And uh, the only the third time in history that this has happened. This is also a big testament to Mitch McConnell for being the president's most important ally in this. He said he was going to be in lockstep with the White House attorneys the whole time. He was whipping up the the Senate members to vote to acquit him. So Mitch McConnell, uh, a big ally in this whole thing. Even after the acquittal, he filed his, filed a, another vote to get a, a conservative judge confirmed. And so he is going back to business uh, as he sees it for the president and the Republican Party. Democrats are crying foul, saying that they weren't given witnesses and evidence in the Senate trial, uh, and that this makes it kind of an illegitimate acquittal since there wasn't a real trial in their view. And so we'll have to see if that's persuasive with the American people. The American people, actually, if you look at uh, polls, they uh, wanted witnesses, they wanted evidence, uh, and a majority of them not a ton. It's kind of split among if you support the president or not. A majority of them wanted him removed from office. And so there were Republican senators were kind of bucking public opinion here. Yeah. And, and that was one of the big lines about uh, letting the, the voters decide. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, senators took o over the weekend in the past few days to go on record saying, 
you know, the president wasn't perfect in his call. We didn't agree with the way he did it. Some even said, hey, they went as far as like the Democrats really did make their case, but it's not right for us to remove the president. Wait till, you know, uh, just a few months before an election. Let the voters decide. Let the voters vote him out. And that was really the line that a lot of people took. Yeah, they were pretty consistent uh, with that. But that also kind of assumes that Trump won't do this again. There's concerns that he might repeat this pattern of behavior. Remember, he asked Russia to get those emails from Hillary, and then he asked Ukraine to announce this investigation. So uh, who knows what he might ask in the next, before this election. But I think there's a lot of people who are wondering about the integrity of our elections and whether this makes it a bad precedent, given that he could get away with this type of behavior that even Mitt Romney, who used to be the Republican standard bearer, found appalling in his words. And while the impeachment and all this is kind of over for now, it's really not over. Democrats have signaled that they're still going to be conducting investigations into the president. So there's still going to be a lot of details kind of leaking out. But, uh, you know, obviously for now, the, the president acquitted on, on these two articles of impeachment. Daniel Lippman, White House reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. One of the other top political stories this week was the Iowa caucus debacle, which happened on Monday. Days later, at the time of this recording, we're still unable to declare a winner. We have 97% of precincts reporting from Monday's caucuses, and former Mayor Pete Buttigieg leads Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders by three state delegate equivalents out of 2,098 counted. That's a margin of 0.14 percentage points. They're coming in at 26.2%. And 26.1%. It's just a razor-thin margin. This comes as the Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez asked the Iowa Democratic Party to conduct a re-canvas, which is not a recount, but rather a check of the vote count to ensure that everything was added correctly. Uh, As I said, it's just a huge mess. But we did have a reporter down in Iowa the day that it happened. Ginger Gibson, she's a political reporter for Reuters. She was there on the ground in Iowa at Joe Biden camp. She tells us how it all played out for her and more on this app failure that really contributed to this whole Iowa debacle. Many people had thought, no way we go past midnight. Uh, And in 2008, uh, what was a competitive race between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton it had been decided by 9.30. So at about 9, 9.30, when we had no results, you started to see the reporters really sort of trying to figure out what was going on, uh, why there was a breakdown, why we didn't know any precincts at all. Um, Shortly after that, by 10 o'clock, the party started to acknowledge there was a technical problem. At this point, um, the, the fans of the candidates are sort of milling around. They're at the bar. They're getting snacks. No one's no one's panicked yet. Uh, our, we're telling our editors, like, oh, I'm sure we'll still be out of here by midnight. Uh, and at about 11 o'clock, it became clear that that was not going to be the case. Uh, we heard before that the candidates start getting up and giving their speeches. Um, and for someone like Biden, who looks like he will finish in fourth place, which is a really disappointing finish uh, for the former vice president. He was able to get up and give a pretty upbeat speech to sound pretty optimistic because we didn't know he had come in fourth place at that time. Okay. The app, everybody can agree it was a spectacular failure. They said it was a coding error. Results were going in accurately as reports were saying, but they were only getting partial results out of this. What do we know about who developed this app? Why were they using it this time? And just more about why it failed. 
This app had been developed by a company, a vendor. Um, there were questions of the state party, why it hadn't been adequately tested, why it wasn't, uh, the, the, the failures of the coding hadn't been located before. Uh, they sort of said, you know, it was unacceptable. This is a problem. Uh, but we don't know exactly why this was able to go live uh, on Monday night when it was clearly not working um, and not going to work. Uh, but as you said, there was a coding error of some sort um, compounded by the fact that we have to remember that these are 1,600 precinct captains who have to enter in all of this information. And let me um, let you in on a little secret. These aren't the young and tech savvy right, uh, right. who are volunteering. Uh, so there was a multitude of problems. People couldn't log in. They couldn't figure out how to get through the what was really a three-factor authentication process. Um, they couldn't get it to load. Uh, they couldn't get it to download. Um, a lot of problems along the way that ultimately culminated in the biggest problem, what you said, this coding error that just made it not work at all. Now, this has really drawn the whole entire Iowa caucus, first in the nations to vote on who a potential nominee could be, has called this whole thing into question. People are saying Iowa shouldn't go first anymore. People are saying we should get rid of the entire caucus system because it's just confusing and inaccurate. And I think everybody's kind of agreeing on that front. I think that what we're seeing, and I talked to Democratic strategists today, is that Democrats, particularly even more than Republicans, have been looking for a reason to get rid of the Iowa caucuses. Um, they find Iowa to not be the best state to go first. It's a state that's 90% white uh, and a Democratic Party that's 50% non-white. Um, it is pretty rural uh, out here in, in, in Iowa. Um, and they have different priorities here in the state than the rest of the party. So had been an effort within the Democratic Party to sort of bounce Iowa from this uh, position as the first in the nation. Uh, and I think that they're saying this is the nail in the coffin. This is the thing that's going to just make it so untenable that they can't imagine in four years uh, that they'll be back again to have the first contest. Last question, Ginger. I know we didn't get results last night, and Joe Biden was one of the first people to give his speech. I think he went right after Amy Klobuchar, which was also kind of another thing. Joe Biden started speaking, then Elizabeth Warren started speaking, and she didn't get any coverage because everybody was carrying his speech. It was kind of a mess all over the place. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Another big story this week coming out of Orange County, California. The district attorney there in Orange County has decided to drop charges against a Newport Beach surgeon and his girlfriend who were accused of drugging and sexually assaulting several women. It was a case that gained international attention for all the salacious details. It was a well-off, good-looking couple who liked to party and were considered swingers. They were in the swinging scene. And they were drugging and assaulting women and recording it on video. At the time that the allegations came out, authorities said there could have been 1,000 victims. For more on the story and why these charges were dropped, we spoke to Corbin Carson. He's a reporter for KFI News in Orange County. This was a crazy situation that really took a worldwide approach. But the biggest thing to remember here is the majority of this case plays out in 2018, an election year. This was the election between former Orange County DA Tony Rakakis and the current DA, 
Todd Spitzer. So Orange County DA Todd Spitzer spent about an hour yesterday or Tuesday going through his decision to drop the charges. And the rough timeline is this. The first claims by two women have been brought in 2016, but police in Newport Beach dropped those cases due to insufficient evidence. Then in January of 2018, a search warrant was filed by Robichaux of Robichaux's house which turned up money, drugs, sex drugs like GHP and things like that, and thousands of digital videos and photos. Then in September 2018, two months before the election and months after the search warrant, former DA Rakakis announces charges against Robichaux and Riley of drugging and raping women. This is where it gets crazy. A week later, Rakakis holds a press conference where the statements are first made that there could be up to a thousand sex assault victims and thousands of videos showing women being assaulted. Now, I was at this press conference, and here in this first clip, you can hear Rakakis explaining how many videos there are. There are several videos where the women in the videos appear to be highly intoxicated, beyond the ability to consent or resist, and they're barely responsive to the defendant's sexual advances. Based on this evidence, we believe that there might be many unidentified victims out there. And here's the w- reporter confirming a thousand you mentioned, women. You don't know how many victims, how many videos do you have of different uh, victims? Many. Dozens, hundreds? Hundreds. More than a thousand? I think so. <laughs> it just sounds like he's just going along with whatever the reporter was implying at that point. But here's the thing. I ran out of there. This is a crazy story at the time. And then while it was not quite sounding like he's saying a thousand or if it's going along with it, I was like, before I lead (laughs) with the news saying a thousand women have been raped by two people in Newport Beach, I ran back into the news conference and I tracked down one of the staff members and I say, did he just say that there were thousands of videos showing maybe a thousand women being raped? And the answer was yes. And one of the crazy things about this, Spitzer played out in this long press conference, is that he talks about how this just grew all the way worldwide in every headline from print to radio to TV. And he played one of these clips to show kind of how this was played out and it dramatized in the second clip you'll hear from NBC World. Here's an idea of what it sounded like. Dr. Grant Robichaux, the handsome bachelor who appeared on a Bravo dating show. My name is Sarissa Riley. And his girlfriend, Sarissa Riley, used their good looks, say prosecutors, to lure victims, drugging and sexually assaulting them in Newport Beach, preying on upwards of a thousand women. It's important to understand that rapists can look like anyone. They can be anyone. They can be either gender. Based on videos found on their cell phones, prosecutors believe there could be a thousand victims. And, that and that's was, the important part. Yeah, that's, right, what, that's what was playing out everywhere. It had all the elements, the salacious details, the good-looking couple in mm-hmm. Newport Beach, a, a very affluent part of Orange County. I mean, it just had everything that uh, all the tabloids and everybody really wanted to hear, you know, and it just kind of exploded from there. So then how did we get to this point now where charges are being dropped? Uh, apparently, Todd Spitzer, the Orange County District Attorney, is saying that some of this video evidence doesn't show all these women. It doesn't show these women in states of inebriation. And that's the key. He said that that worldwide attention was the reason that they got hundreds of calls into the office. And then as a result, five more women came forward. He says some of those women have admitted to just supporting the other women because they're thinking there's a thousand women out here. But it ends up making 
seven charges against these two. At some time, there were kidnapping charges added. And at one point, Sarissa Riley and Grant Robichaud are facing life in prison. We're talking 90 years because these charges are so severe. And then Spitzer says at first he thought it was all about publicity and that the case was being pumped because of publicity. And he said after he went to the AG and he said, look, I have a conflict of interest. I can't do this case. The AG comes back and says, yes, you were elected by the voters to represent the people on this case. Do your best. Spitzer says that made him feel good and it makes him feel better about promoting this case. He gets a team together, he says, of veteran sexual assault prosecutors. They spend three months going through thousands of videos, pictures, text messages, social media posts, all the interviews and witnesses again. And if you would play the fourth now clip, you can see that this is him talking about what they found. The people have the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant did not actually and reasonably believe the woman was capable of consenting. If the people have not met that burden, you must find the defendant not guilty. These lawyers, 175 years of trial experience, we were unanimous that there's insufficient evidence to prove this case beyond a reasonable doubt. We can't even prove that Riley and Robichaux engaged in any criminal sexual activity plus that they couldn't find one video or photo of an unconscious woman being sexually assaulted and that was after we were told thousands right now this couple grant robichaud and sarissa riley they were known in the community like in the swinger community they were part of that they did party hard obviously there Mm -hmm. was drugs and stuff found in their home So what happens to these women that have made these accusations now? Uh, I mean, if the charges are dropped here, where does that go? Because there were moments where uh, there was a story where there was screams coming out of Grant Robichaud's home and the police showed up. They kind of found a woman. She was inebriated. She didn't know what was going on. And they basically just said, there's no criminality here. We're leaving. And, you know, they try to calm the neighbors down with the whole thing. So they are part of this scene, though, at least. Right. Actually, yeah. And it, and I remember that story. Also, there was two women. They both came in there and they're talking to these women time after time and they can't remember what's going on. But as you said, the cops just said this was some sort of private sex act. I'm using uh, air quotes. You can't see. But this was some sort of private sex act that went on. And look. This couple had all the trappings of what you would think would go with the claims that were going with it. You know, because of the case you had there, you have these women coming forward. You have this lifestyle that they're living of promiscuity. But this is about being proven. And and one of the things is that Spitzer did not use the word innocent. What he said is he could not find any evidence of this. So he said he's going to meet with all of these women first, but at some point he's going to ask the judge to dismiss these charges. And, you know, it's an interesting situation on both sides because on one hand you have these women, you have the seven that came forward, in all 18 women that came forward, some of those couldn't file because of the statute of limitations. But again, these are women that have real claims. And this isn't about being guilt or innocence. This was about being able to prove the case, A, and B, government misconduct claims that were out about how this case could be tried fairly after so much inaccurate public attention. And then, Oscar, I got to tell you, before we leave... D.A. Rakakis put out a statement after these charges were dropped, and he says he denies those allegations. He says the charges were not brought lightly. The original charges against Grant Robichaux and Sarissa Riley. He says his heart goes out to the women who had the courage to come forward with their complaints. He said he believed their complaints, and based on the evidence he had at the time before leaving office. Corbin Carson, reporter for KFI News in Orange County. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. 
leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.